Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on a Monday, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. If you want to be part of the conversation, you can join us on the ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395. We are coming to you, as always, from the Pearl River Resort studio, Pearl River Resort, all of the sportsbook, the Golden Moon Casino. In just a minute, we will hit the blitz and take a look at what happened over the weekend in terms of college football. Beautiful weekend in the Magnolia State. Warmer than it was a week ago. Like today, this time last week it was like 47, and today it's, I don't know, low 80s? What's up, guys? Here we go. Roller coaster of weather. Howdy. Good to be with you on a month. Howdy! All right, Jimbo. Just thought I'd thumbs up you. Hey, I I mean... Oh, wait, wait, wait. No, no, it's not thumbs up anymore. Now, isn't it, isn't it arm flex for A&M now? Don't they? Oh, well, but Richard, you got that nice gigum uppercut. Okay. So, at, at least we know, because we learned this weekend, right, that, that Sam Pittman's guys, they haven't quit on him, right? Like, they, they are totally bought in on Sam Pittman, and they proved it by going just... down to Gainesville and beating Florida. At least we know that the A&M players are also bought into the culture of Texas A&M, right? Because you went the, uppercut the, right to the... Mm, yep. So at least I, we know that they're know still engaged with the culture. I, I don't know if y'all saw what happened there as it happened. I just remember I'm sitting at a restaurant. I'm like, they threw him out? What did he do? What? I was like, i got to see a replay. They don't show a replay. They don't show the replay. I'm like, they're showing the coaches. Show. I'm like, show the replay. Finally, they show the replay, and the entire bar went, oh, yeah, you got to throw him out. You, yeah, can't, he's gotta you go. can't have that. In Starkville. In Starkville, we were like, yeah, he's got to go. We can't have that. <laughs> Tessator's reaction was so funny because he, he clearly hadn't seen it because they went to commercial, right, and came back, and when they showed the uppercut, he went, oh, just like that. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> that was some Ric Flair business there, boys. That was a one-two combo, too. They didn't show – he punched him in the in the helmet, too, because that's really smart. But but he went uppercut to the sort of speed bagging him. Yeah, and then went Give right that number there. to the face. And then Micah Pettis <laughs> after that, his acting job was LeBron esque. I mean, after he got hit in the face, he just like took two steps back and just kind of tumbled back. And... 
somewhat led up to the point of the uppercut to the hmm, but uh, there there was probably something there. We I'm guessing. Still, I'm sure something was said. Oh, uh, nothing. It's fine. But Pettis. Uh, I mean, we got to get to the blitz. I know, but Pettis was doing just enough all game, just enough to not get in trouble. There was a point where he pancaked. I don't know if it was the same guy, but but he drove him to the ground and then turned around and sat on him. <laughs> He just sat on it <laughs> as he laid on the, the ground. I, I mean, possibly, but I mean, it's so funny. His his big self just turns around and just sits on him. Like, job's done here, coach. We had quite the weekend in college football from coast to coast, early to late, and all points in between. So let's blitz. Let's start in the Lone Star State, Texas, Kansas State. Really good football game. Texas jumped out to an early lead. Kansas State came all the way back. They tie it up. It goes to overtime. And then Kansas State decides to try and play hero ball and win it on a fourth down play, which normally we all would be on board with, right? You're the road team. Go win it in overtime if all you got to do is have a touchdown. Except the fact that Texas was playing their backup quarterback. And Malik Murphy was okay, 19 of 37, 248, a touchdown, but he threw two interceptions. Don't you have to make that guy beat you? Instead, Texas gets the win. Uh, Ho-hum game in the Big Ten. Indiana at home gets a win over Wisconsin, 20 to 14. Ohio State, they slept walk for a while. Rutgers gave them all they wanted and actually had the lead at the half. Second half, different story as the Buckeyes outscored the Scarlet Knights 28-7 in the second half and route to a 35-16 win. Kyle McCord threw for three touchdowns in the game. The aforementioned Arkansas Razorbacks. They go to Gainesville and they snap a six-game losing skid with an overtime win, 39-36 over the Florida Gators. K.J. Jefferson threw for 255 and a couple of touchdowns. Graham Mertz is actually pretty good, 282 and three touchdowns. Hey, a Rocket Sanders sighting. He went for a buck three, healthiest he's looked all season long. Arkansas gets the win. That's a bad loss for Billy Napier and the Gators. Hey, Dad, I know you, you have thoughts on that one. Perhaps we'll get to them later. Th- th- those That's thoughts, why I'm here. That, don't, don't those thoughts usually center around on uh, not getting to make a third hire at football coach? It's time to go. The Tennessee Vols won 59-3 over UConn. Tennessee now 7-2 on the year. The South Carolina Gamecocks. Shane Beamer said, we're going to celebrate the heck out of this one. A 10-point victory over Jacksonville State, who was driving for the win when they threw a pick six, 38-28 the final. Tyler and Spartanburg got to be feeling better about himself today. 31-23, Clemson over Notre Dame. He was a plant. I'm totally on board now. He was a plant. Everybody was like, oh, see, Tyler, in your face. And I'm thinking, he's still right. They're 5-4. and four. No, Tyler's a plant. Four. All part of the plan. Dabo, Dabo did this to himself. In that Clemson-Notre Dame game was abysmal. Sam Hartman, 13 of 30 for 146 with two interceptions. Cade Klubnick, 13 of 26 for 109 with a touchdown and a pick. Ugh. How, the, how, how are those guys that bad? Georgia Tech, now one win away from bowl eligibility. After a 45-17 win over Virginia, 
Haynes King's been good for Virginia uh, for Georgia Tech this year. Remaining schedule for the uh, for the Ramblin' Wreck. They go to Clemson this weekend. They've got Syracuse at home on the 18th, and they close it out with old-fashioned hate against the Georgia Bulldogs. Utah, 55-3. Fair or foul? 22-yard touchdown run with eight seconds remaining. When you're ahead, 48-3. Okay, if you say so. Uh, Air Force, undefeated no more. Who saw this one coming? The Army Black Knights, 23-3 in a win over the the Air Force. Maybe the most surprising result of the weekend. I would agree. I would agree. Uh, Trent Dilfer and UAB get a 45-42 win over Tom Herman and the FAU Owls. I got no reaction. He must not have been paying attention. Uh, UTSA has now won five in a row. To get to six and three on the year, thirty-seven twenty-nine win over North Texas. Uh, that's a team that made the move from Conference USA to the American, and with three weeks to play and a pretty favorable schedule, they are tied for the conference lead, undefeated in, in league play, headed perhaps for a collision with uh, Tulane on the final weekend of the regular season. Memphis has got a great offense. I don't even know if Memphis has a defense. Fifty-nine fifty. Tigers over the Bulls of South Florida. For the last time, for a long time, Bedlam. Oklahoma State 27, Oklahoma 24. Nobody loves a field-storming postgame like Michael Borky, and they stormed it proper on Saturday afternoon in Stillwater. Yeah, they did. That looked like so much fun. You know what's so funny about that result is Oklahoma State gets the bragging right in perpetuity. Mike Gundy has gotten destroyed by Oklahoma in his time at Oklahoma State. I mean, they own him, but he gets the last one. you got to pick your spots. Ollie Gordon had a nice day on the ground for Oklahoma State, 137 yards and a couple of touchdowns. Florida State, ho-hum, on the road in a win over Pittsburgh, 24-7. Seminoles just plugging along. They are now 9-0 on the year. Louisville keeps rolling, 34-3 over Virginia Tech. What happened in that game against Notre Dame? Mm. Uh, Louisville's now 8-1 and one on the uh, season. Houston over Baylor in overtime. 25-24. Went for two and got the win in Waco. Dana Holgerson in Houston now 4-5 and five on the year. Great game in Athens. Great game. Good game. Good game in Athens. Really good game. Really good game. Georgia 30. Missouri 21 almost had a big man touchdown. He didn't get there, and it got called back for a block in the back. But Nazir Stackhouse, I do not want to be in front of him if that man is running downhill. Pretty good day throwing the football for Carson Beck, 21-32, 254, and a couple of touchdowns. Who, who's Georgia got next? Uh, Tulane. I, this would have been the surprise They have of the Tulane weekend. next? No. Just moving along in the blitz. Uh, Green Wave leading it 13, not leading it, they won, 13-10 to over East Carolina thanks to a fourth-quarter field goal. What's up with Tulane? They are playing with fire these days. Also in the Big 12, UCF 28, Cincinnati 26. UCF got to win two more to get to bowl eligibility. We will press pause on the blitz. We will pick it up when we come back with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio. 
Ceasefire text line is open, 601-879-4395. We're back with you right after this. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Say that again. Please say Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Sorry. Poorly time joke, completely inappropriate. On Super Talk Mississippi. Promise we're going to get to your messages on the ceasefire text line coming up in just a minute. A lot of good stuff early today. Keep it coming. 601-879-4395. Let's finish up the Blitz, and then we'll jump to the ceasefire text line before we dive into Ole Miss, Texas A&M from Saturday in Oxford and Kentucky in Starkville against Mississippi State on Saturday night. We go back to the Big Ten, Penn State. I mean, it wasn't exactly a close game going to the fourth quarter, but Penn State made sure that it wasn't close at the end. They outscored Maryland 27-8 to in the final 15 minutes en route to a 51-15 win on the road. Penn State now 8-1 on the year, and they are headed for a collision with the Michigan men of Ann Arbor. I was going to say, do you see who's next on yes. Penn State's schedule? In Happy Big Valley, nude. too. Uh, J-M-U. Say it with me. James Madison, 9-0, ineligible for the postseason. 42-14 over Georgia State. Did you guys see the highlight on Twitter of the Iowa-Northwestern game in black and white? It was the most fitting highlight ever. It's fantastic. Iowa 10, Northwestern 7 at Wrigley Field. Listen to these quarterback numbers. Deacon Hill, Iowa, 10 of 15, 65 yards, and a touchdown, and a pick. Brendan Sullivan, 12 of 19, 81 yards, touchdown, no picks. This is gross. Wasn't gross in Hattiesburg. No. To the top. Southern Miss, 24 to 7 over ULM. Two pretty good ones in a row for Frank Gore. 24 carries, buck 31, and a touchdown. Billy Wiles threw for a touchdown and a pick. 11-23 for 200 yards in the game. Charlotte 33-26 over Tulsa in overtime. Fascinated by Charlotte scores as uh, Biff Pogey does his thing at Charlotte. I'll actually see them this Saturday. We love Biff. Yeah, we got Memphis at Charlotte coming up this uh, this Saturday. Auburn is now five. We should do a show dressed as him. That'd be great, actually. Or show up to your meeting with him with a cutoff shirt on. Yeah. Fred, Fred and embarrassing with the guns. <laughs> oh. Uh. He's one of the oh. few that can embarrass you with the bank account, though. Ooh, isn't that the truth? Mm. Yeah. Auburn 31 15 over Vanderbilt on the road. Oregon. Flexing at home against Cal. 63-19. Ducks are now 8-1 on the year. Bo Nix. Bodacious Bo Nix. 29-38. 386. Four touchdowns. Bucky Irving. Good back. He had a touchdown run as well. Um, does anybody realize that Liberty's still undefeated? 9-0. Yeah, they are. 
56 to 30 over Louisiana Tech. Ske- the the schedule is abysmal. It is. Um, it's gross. But what? them with that schedule being the G5 representative in an access bowl would be underwhelming. That would be something, wouldn't it? Uh, Kansas 28-21 over Iowa State. Kansas now 7-2 and two on the year. West Virginia beat the poo-poo out of BYU 37-7, to seven, the final in that one. And that was thanks to a fourth-quarter touchdown for BYU to enjoy the shutout. The new Big Tro- 12 teams are struggling this year, all of them. Yeah, yeah they are. Uh, Trojan tears in the land of Troy. Michael Penix in Washington, 52-42 over Southern Cal, who falls out of the AP Top 25. Rhett Lashley's SMU team didn't make it easy on themselves, but they got a win in Houston on the road against the Rice Owls. SMU now 7-2 and on the year. What a game for a half and a couple of drives. And then it was all Bama. 21 unanswered to close it out. 42-28, Bama over LSU. Clearly, targeting rules do not apply to the Crimson Tide. NC State beats Miami 20-6. They're both 6-3 on the year. Stanford 10-7 over Washington State. If you're keeping score at home, Wazoo has dropped five in a row after their 4-0 start. Oregon State 26-19 over Colorado. That whole demotion of your offensive coordinator worked out well, Coach Prime. Nice nice going. And uh, Arizona. The Wildcats are now bowl eligible after a 27-10 home victory over UCLA. Fight, fight, fight. That is your college football blitz. What a weekend. Great weekend. What a weekend. Hmm, let's see here. Let's uh let's go to the ceasefire text line. We we can start we can start roll we can roll the highlights if you want to. I thought we'd start that in the next segment. Yeah, yeah, we'll save it. We'll save it. Okay. Full full block. Um what have we got? We got question. Watching the end of the first half of the Ole Miss AM game, and on the last play of the half, AM made a fair catch of an Ole Miss punt. At their own 43-yard line. My question, could A&M have attempted a fair catch kick? What is a fair catch kick? Uh, why, why are you asking questions that we none of us know the answer to? You're making us look bad here, Richard. I, I'm, I'm Stand not, those I'm, texts a little cleaner. Did I read that poor? Did I read it wrong? So... According to Wikipedia, which got me a college degree, so let's not pretend like it's wrong all the time, uh, it says the fair catch kick is a rule at the professional and high school levels of football that allows a team that has just made a fair catch to attempt a free kick from the spot of the catch. The kick must be either a place kick or a drop kick, and if it passes over the crossbar between the goalposts of the opposing team's goal, a field goal is awarded to the kicking team. Okay. But not something that can be used in the college game. So, great question. Go. We just learned something. Uh, but no, could not have done that. Uh, ooh, ooh, Jerry in Memphis coming after Borky. Lane prediction. Quote, I will watch Clemson lose on my iPad. Maybe you can find a football tutorial for dummies on your iPad, Borky. I'm going to keep <laughs> Every day, I'm going to keep making wrong predictions on this show, Jerry. Get over it. It's going to happen again, probably today. 
Brandon says, terrible announcing on the Georgia-Missouri game. Hmm. Is there something with Nestle? Who was the CBS crew for that one? I didn't I didn't even oh, know. Oh, 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 it wasn't. It's because it was the doubleheader. Hold on a second. I'll tell you exactly who it was. That has been the, um, uh, oh, yeah, it was Rich Waltz, Aaron Taylor, and Amanda Yera. Okay. Yeah, Rich Waltz has been at it forever. He was the uh, TV play-by-play voice of the Florida Marlins forever. He primarily does CBS Sports Network games. But, um, okay. So, uh, help me out with this, Bubba, because, you know, people were, were being critical of, of Tess and, and Rogers, and, and I don't think that they were bad or biased or anything. Uh, Joe Tessator didn't. He, he's not anti old Miss. He's just kind of theatrical when he was calling a game and uh, – Anyway, I thought his open was as good as I've heard an open in a long time in terms of syncing up what you were seeing and what was happening in the stadium with what he was saying to get them on the air. I thought it was really good. Yeah. Now, rest of the game, I don't know. Whatever. But but do they do they have a really bad view in the booth? Cuz there uh, were a couple of times where where Rogers uh, talked about dart passes. He called one really risky. When it just, like, there's no way that, I mean, Hudson Wolf just short-armed the ball. Like, it was right on the money. He just, he was scared of a hit and didn't reach his arms out. And then, then there was another one where a receiver slipped. And, oh, man, Dart, you know, he just, he threw that one high. He missed him high. And it's like, Jordan, I, I see on the screen that I think you have in front of you that the receiver slipped. Why don't you see that? Because... When you're calling a game, you're doing a mix of watching it live and watching the monitors. And in the case of Jordan there, he's probably got the cowboy clicker where he can rewind for replays like as a play is happening. There's a lot going on. My guess is he just missed it. The best ones don't miss much. And that's a – I mean, this was a level-up game from what Jordan normally does on the SEC Saturday night games, but I, I don't know. That, that's that's my best guess. I just I noticed that earlier. I, like I, my my thought was like maybe the sun's in their face or something with the time change and the early kickoff because like those two calls I thought were odd because d- not a risky throw at all. Receiver slipped. The ball wasn't high. The sun does smoke you in the TV booth at Ole Miss for whatever that's worth. Yeah, football should not be played while the sun is rising. <laughs> uh, Will and Casiesco. <laughs> The next hire by Everything State after is crucial. Two. The next hire by State is crucial, not only to the football program, but the entire athletic department and the university as well. One bad hire, and we will be Sunbelt bound, says Will in Kosciuszko. They could hire one of Brian Haydad's daughters, and they still not will end up in the Sunbelt. Hiring one of my kids would be smart because then they would, I would just be like the power behind the throne. I know how to call plays. Hey, Richard, guess there's no targeting in Alabama unless it's on the visiting team. That's from Bill in Oxford. Uh, somebody said, let's only talk coaching search and uniforms for state. Okay. Sports Talk Mississippi. We're back with you right after this. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. How do you like that? I love it. On Super Talk Mississippi.
Hell of a couple of games in Oxford on Saturday between Ole Miss and Texas A&M. Right at, do we need a soccer update? No, I mean, no, you right look now. like you were in agony. It, Chelsea, it's it's tied, and Spurs only have nine men, and we cannot break through here, and it's just driving me insane. <laughs> Your team's getting to be by a team with nine players. Yeah, well, not getting beat; it's tied, but like they yeah, can't get the. They might as well be the same thing if they only got nine. <laughs> okay. Um, all right, so let's talk about something that most people actually care about. So, um, Ole Miss and A and M on Saturday. Ole Miss jumps out to a 7 nothing lead. It was kind of back and forth early in the game. Both teams got one first down and then punted on their opening possession. Ole Miss scored on its second possession on an 11-play, 81-yard drive that was capped off by a, a touchdown run from Quinshawn Judkins. And the the touchdown run was, it was a function of tempo and Texas A&M not being ready for that. I'm not really sure how at this point of the season against this Ole Miss team and this coaching staff, you're not prepared for, oh, wow, they just had a big play. They're about to run to the line and snap the ball and try and do something else. But a and looked like they weren't ready for it, and Ole Miss took a 7 to nothing lead. Texas A&M kind of fiddle-farted around on offense for a little while longer, and Ole Miss scored its second touchdown with 12.53 to go in the second quarter. Trey Harris made a, uh, a catch, a contested catch, one of a bunch of contested catches in the ballgame. 11 yards from Jackson Dart, 8 plays, 94 yards, 237, made it 14 to nothing. And then... And here it I, is. I, I know it's hard to say, Borky, with 8 minutes to go in the second quarter that one team is about to put the game on ice. But it felt like Ole Miss was about to put the game on ice. Ulysses, Bensley, uh, Ulysses Bentley bounces it to the outside, runs around defenders, races for the pylon, gets in, 21 to nothing, fire the cannon, place is going crazy. Oh, wait, there's a flag. Uh, a great deal of debate as to whether or not a flag should have been called for that particular holding. Not a lot there on that play, but they called it. And then they called holding on the next play. And then Ole Miss didn't really do anything, so they lined up to kick a field goal to make it 17 to nothing. So it went from 21 to nothing to feeling like you're going to make the kick and it's going to be 17 to nothing to blocked field goal returned for a touchdown. It's 14 to 7. Holy cow, what just happened? Yeah. And then it woke AM up a little bit. Uh, and, and, you know, I mean, a had, what was it, four consecutive drives of over 60 yards in the second half. One was intercepted by Ole Miss, the opening drive of the second half, which, I mean, there's a lot of plays of the game. That's one of them, in hindsight, when you think about it. But, I mean, they looked dead. Ole Miss's defense was swarming and aggressive, and they were getting after the quarterback, and A&M wasn't running the ball, and... I mean, you could see the tension on A&M's sidelines and Jimbo and his quarterback are getting into it. And then you cut the lead to seven and suddenly it's game on. That was a... But, but, Ole Miss answered immediately. Mm -hmm. How big was that? Ole Miss gets the ball back and they're driving down the field and then they kind of went trick play. 
not trick play in the in the sense of they're running the Statue of Liberty or they're running the fumble Ruski, but they ran Jordan Watkins like he was going off the field. And then he just stopped right there at the edge of the sideline and never went off the field. And Jackson Dart snaps it, and there's nobody within, like, the hash marks of him. And he throws it, and Watkins races into the end zone for a touchdown, and it's back to 20-7, to and the life started to come back into the stadium. Uh, A&M scored a touchdown before the half, made it 20-14. to Was it was it second quarter or first drive of the second half when Johnson threw the terrible interception? That you, you just saw it there. It was A&M's first uh, possession first of, of the, the second, second half. half. Yeah. They, they went yeah. right down the field, and it, it, bad bad throw there. Nice play, but really bad throw there. Terrible. Bad decision, I thought, to throw the ball there. You, you've run the ball effectively all the way down there. I, I would have mm-hmm. just, I mean, it's first and goal. Run the ball. After A&M doesn't score there, Ole Miss goes the other way. They score the touchdown. Another touchdown run for Quinchon Judkins makes it 28-14. A&M gets it closer with a touchdown pass for Max Johnson. That was the one where, was it a catch? Was it not a catch at the goal line? And is that right? Or was that later? Oh, that was later. That was early fourth quarter where they had the long review on that. Anyway, it kind of goes back and forth. 31-21, 31-28. A&M takes the lead, 35-31, with four and a half minutes to play. And what did Ole Miss do? They immediately answered. Nine plays, 75 yards, 254 off the clock, touchdown on the board with a minute 40 to go, 38-35. A&M gets it back one last time. They drive down. Ole Miss gets a hand on the uh, on the field goal, or like a fingertip on the field goal to just yeah. change the trajectory a touch. And... Um, Rebels get the win. Their fourth win where they were either tied or trailing in the fourth quarter this season. Tavion Harris got a finger on it for uh, for Ole Miss. Yeah, he missed, uh, was in concussion protocol, I believe. Um, so, so having him back was obviously very big for them. Uh, blocks the potential game-tying field goal. But, uh, you know, we got a text earlier that was like, oh, their, their luck's going to run out. It's going to happen this weekend. Losing to Georgia is, is not. <laughs> does that qualify? There's not any luck involved yeah. in that. Yeah. That doesn't um, qualify. But, man, I, I really, you know, maybe I'm blinded, uh, I guess, but, but reducing what Ole Miss has done in the fourth quarter this season to luck, I think, is wrong. It, it, it is a team that plays their best football in the fourth quarter. I mean, they've they've got a at this point he's a twenty year old veteran, uh, but Jackson Dart is he doesn't have the strongest arm, not the most accurate. Don't get me wrong, he's accurate, he has a strong arm, but it's not the strongest. He's not the most accurate. He's a good runner, he's not the best runner. Between the ears, though, upstairs, his hey, that's pumped up about Dart. Uh, his. <laughs> His, Man, he's, he's been playing he just great. Saw that one-handed catch from Trey Harris, and it yeah. just made him jump out of his seat again. It, and Matt, I tell you what, I, I, at the restaurant on Saturday, I did come out of my seat a little bit with that guy. I was like, "Wow, I, dude's unreal!" But that trickles down to the rest of the when, when your quarterback is as mentally tough as Ole Miss's quarterback is, and as stoic and as calm in these pressure spots. It resonates to the rest of the team. Coaching and, and other things are involved in their fourth quarter success as well. But I think that starts with the most important position and the most important player on a team. Jackson Dart 
watched his defense get run up and down the field on in the second half. Up and down the field, up and down the field, up and down the field. He's getting hit. Uh, I mean, it, A&M's got a physical front and and just just calm. And I think that resonates with the rest of the team. And, and yet again, again, the fourth game this year, either tied or down in the fourth quarter, and they made the plays when they had to, the maturity and the mental makeup of that team is why they're doing it. I really don't. I, I, luck is just not something that you talk about first with this team in their fourth quarter success. I mean, somebody asked the question. What I would say, though, is. is go ahead. Sorry. Hey, Dad. Go ahead. What the luck for Ole Miss is, is what they do defensively. There's there's always a, a hint of luck in when you get turnovers. There's always a hint of luck when you when I mean, Ole Miss gets big plays defensively. They are a team that you can drive the football on, but they are also a team that will put you in second and fifteen, third and seventeen very easily. And they are a team that gets turnovers. So if you want to point at luck, you point to it on the defensive side of the ball. Offensively, I expect Ole Miss to be good. Yeah, and you know what? When when you talk about luck on the defensive side of the ball, I, I agree with what you're saying. But I do think luck is created by pressure. Yeah. And when you talk about going from second yes, to ten to yes, third 100%, and seventeen, yes, yes, you got a sack. Yeah. When when you talk about having a safety come over the top and cut underneath the receiver for an interception, it might be because you got pressure on the quarterback and he had to throw it sooner than he wanted to, or it changed the trajectory of the throw a little bit. I, I will agree with you that there was a little bit of luck in that game for Ole Miss, but there was some luck for Texas A&M too. Like with 30 seconds to go in the fourth quarter when Max Johnson fumbled it and there was an A&M player right there, it was luck. That, that That's where the ball bounced. But you know what? When Jackson Dart got hit as he was releasing the ball in the first quarter and that thing just fluttered and happened to find a, a dead spot of grass, the grass was alive, a dead spot where nobody was, like between the linebackers and the defensive line, yeah, okay, that's luck. Sure. Because LSU would say, hey, our guy got hit and it got tipped into the air and it went right to a safety for Alabama on Saturday night. So, yeah, yeah sure there's some luck involved. You catch some breaks. But Ole Miss is winning That's games part of winning. in the fourth. Yeah, Ole Miss is winning games in the fourth quarter because they get good players, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Quinchon Judkins is a star. Trey Harris is a star. Jordan Watkins is reliable as reliable can be. That offensive line has played pretty well. Against that front, especially the number one team in sacks and TFLs in America, and Dart got sacked once. And yeah, Jackson Dart's experienced. He's confident. Borky was pointing out a second ago. Um, he he's poised. Oh, so thank God. Sports Talk Mississippi. We're back with you right after this in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Junction in the Grove and to the top. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Talk about Trey Harris a second ago. Brandon says, "Hey, let's not forget about Trey Harris's incomplete catch in the back of the end zone." 
or like where he went up and bumped his hand against the goal post and made a yeah. one-handed catch, but he came down one. out of bounds. Yeah, it was it was really impressive. He had a monster day. 213 yards. I think it was on 11 catches with the touchdown. They they tried to man cover him. They tried to zone bracket cover him. They tried to double cover him, and it, it just it didn't matter. Um, I, I said on Twitter, and I'll say it here too because I think it's funny, Trey Harris is the next Ole Miss wide receiver to get drafted in the second round just for two years later. Everybody to wonder, how the hell did that guy end up in the second round? That, that That's Trey Harris. Uh, I, I mean, his numbers are unbelievable. And don't forget, he's missed three games, essentially. He didn't play in Tuscaloosa. He took four snaps. Yeah. Took three snaps in New Orleans and had to overcome that injury and has almost 800 yards receiving this year and has been, I mean, just dominant. And so good after the catch as well. Like, physically makes good catches. But in space, man, a couple of times they just gave him a little slant over the middle it should be just you know pitch and catch eight yards first down. It goes for twenty, but because he's so good and fast after the catch and physical, he's hard to bring down. Just a complete receiver. And so here's Texas A and M again at five and four. Boys, you, you watch that game. You look at their players. They should not be five and four. No. They are physically ridiculous. And you get Jimbo asking, well, yeah, just, just need to make one more play in the game. One more play. Well, at, at some point, are you ever going to make the play? Or are you just going to talk about needing to make one more play? If you're an Ole Miss fan, you're thrilled that they didn't do it this past Saturday. Oh, there were opportunities for AM to win. Mm-hmm. And Ole Miss took it. The, the analogy. The analogy I made is this, and it doesn't apply to Richard because he would just buy a new car, the first sign of trouble. But you know, some of us, we have a car, and it makes a noise. You're like, I'll get it fixed eventually. And it makes another noise, and then it starts driving funny, and you just keep waiting and waiting and waiting. And then you get to the point where you take it to the shop, and they're like, it's going to be this much. And you're thinking, I could buy a new car for what it's going to take to fix this. That's where A&M is right now. Just buy the new car at this point. The old car isn't going to get any better. Just, just buy a new car. Doesn't matter what it costs. You got to get to where you got to get. That's where they are. Yep. Nick Florida's there too. There was a lot of talk out of there this week and, and even in post game about the, the, the change might not be inevitable. You go beat Mississippi State and Abilene Christian, and I mean, what's LSU going to be at that point? Maybe you upset them and. $125 million is what Ross Dellinger estimates it would cost to move on from Jimbo and pay a new coach. Even a place like A&M, you're asking those people to buy the expensive roster and then pay that amount of money. It's not as simple as that. I, I kind of feel like A&M media were kind of warning people that, hey, it's not as cut and dry as at the end of the year he's done, but... I don't know if you guys noticed this. It's a but deeply undisciplined football team. That kind of goes against what we had talked when we talked to AM people before the season. They all said, "Yeah, seven and five. He's probably he's probably gone." That's where they're headed. But you know what? That goes to a point that I feel like I've made before when we've talked about this. It's real easy to talk about spending other people's money. Oh, the price of oil, you know, goes up thirty cents, and it doesn't even matter. When you're talking about stroking a check for $75 million to make a guy go away, a guy and his staff go away, and you need 
a whole bunch of money to fund another NIL class and pay the guys that you got on your roster. And you got to do a contract for a new coach coming in who you're not, it's not like you're going to be able to pay him nothing. At some point, you're like, no, it's too much money. Even if we have a lot of money. I, I don't know. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. No. But, I mean, it was like, and not just play on the field undisciplined. I mean, joke about the, the punch to Pettis's you-know-what, that was often. I mean, they were chippy yeah. and not like a two teams just really getting after it and playing hard. And No, they were undisciplined chippy. Like, body language was horrible. And it, the, the flip side of that is Ole Miss didn't really bite on much of that. Right? I don't think at all. I, I don't. Was there an unsportsmanlike conduct call on, or, or a personal foul on Ole Miss in the game? I, I, I don't remember. If and there I was one, I don't remember. Penalties. Um, I think the actual total penalties were fairly comparable. Uh, A&M had nine for 73, Ole Miss eight for 61. No, at least three of those were holding calls on Ole Miss. At least three, maybe more than that. Um, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. We've got more coming up with you after the break, 4 o'clock hours next. Sports Talk Mississippi, on your radio and in the game. Sports Talk Mississippi. Make the Colts pick six harder. People have been crushing this for the last few weeks. We've got to pick more obscure games. Uh, this week, 300. We're hitting the uh, FCS playoffs. Yeah, there we go. Uh, that might be the uh, ticket. 675 entrants this week into the Polk's pick six. Of those 675, you guys want to guess how many? 75. No, nope, it's more than that. Wow. They just got them all correct. Got them all, went 6 and 0. 125. It was really close. Good guess. 121. Had Ole Miss over A&M, Kentucky over Mississippi State, Southern Miss over ULM, Alabama over LSU, Georgia over Missouri and Texas over Kansas State. So clearly we had to go to the score tiebreaker, and our winner this week was Myron. Myron in Saltillo. I have uh, sent him a message, and he has already responded. And uh, got his mailing address, and so Myron will have a package of Polk's smoked sausage coming his way. Can we stop watching now? Like, you scored, you won, it's over. Yeah. Well, now I'm just enjoying the fact that we're, we're in hashtag beat them down mode. So I'm excited. I'm enjoying it. Okay. What's this? Well, there's only like a minute left, too. So it's 4 1 now. Oh, there you go. 
got out of that most dangerous lead in soccer territory, right? To, to, up to yeah, did, did. You know what? You know about the most dangerous lead in soccer? Look at you. Yeah, go figure. Uh, and yet somehow I managed to focus on what we're doing when the show's going on instead of soccer. At no point in this in this first I, hour of the I, show I, have I, I not I, been unfocused. I'm messing with you. This is Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort studio. Check out pearlriverresort.com to keep up with everything that is happening. And uh, you can also visit their website, Dancing Rabbit Golf, to schedule your tee time at Dancing Rabbit, the Oaks, and the Azaleas. Uh, great opportunity to get out and play golf. going to be spectacular weather all week long. DancingRabbitGolf.com to schedule your tee time today. Michael Borky, Richard Cross, Brian Haydad. We can definitely do the FCS playoffs, by the way. Uh, The Furman Paladins clinched their bid with a win on Saturday. Number two in the country. Quarterback got hurt on Saturday, though, so we'll Uh, see if uh, if Tyler Huff, the the household name, is going to be available for the playoffs. Ceasefire text line open 601-879-4395. Connect and protect from Ceasefire. That's the plan that gives you the peace of mind as a parent that your kids are safe online, and it gives them the device that they want. Learn more online at ceasefire.com. It's connect and protect from Ceasefire. So we will come back to Ole Miss and Texas A&M in the 5 o'clock hour. Talk more about that. Uh, we will get to winners and losers later in the show today as well. We, we need to talk some about Saturday night in Starkville. And we had a, a message earlier that said, can we please talk about a coaching search in uniforms? And, I mean, I, I, I suppose. We might not talk about the game a little bit also. Yeah. Um, I, I shared with you guys a, a funny moment. So my flight Saturday night out of DFW, I had a little bit of time. So Taylor McHarg, who I work with on the TV broadcast, we were sitting at, uh, oh, what's the Mexican restaurant in uh, Papacitos, I think. In, uh, Papacitos, in yeah, I've been there. So we're sitting at the bar there and, you know, munching on some fajitas. And there are a couple of TVs in there. And I've got my phone up as well. And so I've got the LSU-Alabama game on my phone. And I looked at my watch. I was like, ah, oh, the State-Kentucky game started. And so I immediately stopped it and flipped over to that one. And he just looked at me and he goes, you know you might be the only person in America who just turned off the LSU-Alabama game to flip over and watch the Mississippi State-Kentucky game. It's like, yeah, I kind of need to watch it, though. Um, it's bad. Yes. The, All right, I think that, I think you just summed it up. To be honest with you, what else do I need to say? I, the crowd looked okay, at least what I could see on television. I don't know what the upper decks. It was a like better crowd, a better crowd at the start of the game than I would have thought it was going to be, and they were into it early. I think the pregame had something to do with that, obviously, with bringing the '98 team out and and seeing Jackie Sherrill and all those guys. People were into that. And you know, the first series, you know, the, the state gets the ball, and then the crowd's hype. And then Mississippi State started playing football. And that took the crowd out of the game. And from that point, from, basically from the opening kickoff to the end of the game, it was just a, there was no roller coaster. It was just straight downhill. And State couldn't thinking, do anything offensively, and yeah. that's where it went. I was thinking about the way the season has evolved. And when things weren't going particularly well for Will Rogers, 
you had this chorus of, play Mike Wright, play Mike Wright. And then you get into Mike Wright a little bit, and you're like, man, I wish Will Rogers wasn't hurt. And then it's, I, I thought Saturday night was the loudest during the game of, you got to get Chris Parson in the game. And finally they did. Zach Arnett had been asked about that earlier in the week. And I thought Parson was okay for what he was asked to do in the situation that he, I mean, he was, I don't know, I almost feel like it's just like, okay, just give me something different. Like, I don't even care what it is. Just give me something different other than what I'm watching. And then I'm not going to like that either, and I'll ask for something different again. Chris Parson had not played any college football before. He went 6 of 14 for 67 yards. He was sacked three times. Took a delay a game before the first snap that he took. I, I thought he looked poised enough, but I didn't see any difference at quarterback. I thought you saw like a, yeah, a, a glimpse would be the word. Like There was a glimpse of... Okay, this kid clearly, you know, he's got some mobility, but he's also got a much better arm and much better vision than does Mike Wright. But that's all it was, was a fainting glimpse. I mean, you're playing time in a game where you're down three touchdowns. The team's playing prevent for the most point, part. You know, I, I think state fans, just, they want something to latch on to. And the fact that he was better than Wright tells you something. And so for if you're a state fan, you're sitting there thinking, there's, there's three games left, and... Why not, you know, build for the future? Why not just go ahead and put him out there and let him take some lumps this year and go? No future. Oh, oh, you're talking about Arnett. Yeah, that, that's that's okay, why. That's, that's, state that, fans. I'm like, that, that's why. No, you don't, don't play football next year, Borky. Uh, that, that, it'll be that, okay. That's why uh, you've over you're overreacted, Borky. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's that's the thing. It's like it's like leaving the next guy who's going to live in your house a, a housewarming gift. Is all that is. It's you're not doing it for yourself. You're trying to do something nice for the next guy. Um, if you listen to his uh, press conference today, Zach Garnett talked about Will Rogers. Said he's been practicing this whole time, and as soon as Will Rogers is, can play, he's the starting quarterback. And I got the impression that they are gonna they're gonna evaluate him all week. And I know that word's been sort of used and turned into a joke at this point, but I really do think that if they can make a determination on Friday that he can go, he's going to go. And I think Will Rogers will start for Mississippi State there. That's not what I would do, but that's what I think Zach Arnett is going to do. I was convinced that at this point Mississippi State was going to sit Will Rogers and Woody Marks until the Egg Bowl and then try to have some triumphant return to like come and be hailed well, as conquering heroes. Rogers said that on the broadcast. He said that he, he, if he even if his arm fell off, he was going to play in the Egg Bowl. But you know, we'll see how that goes. Uh, Josh and Laurel, hey, Dad, have you noticed that State does not have an uh, an interception from a cornerback all season? Oh, I have noticed that many times. State um, and State only has State only had of their interceptions. I think I think State only has six on the year. Four are from linebackers, and two are from Sean Preston. Wow. And how many of those happened in the Arizona game? Four of them. They have six interceptions all season long, and four of them four of them were in one game. I believe I'm correct on that. Yes. And that quarterback for Arizona is no longer starting. He's no longer the quarterback for Arizona. Yeah, somehow State has the best non-conference win of any SEC team. It's amazing. 
Uh, hold on a second. K Dog and Wiggins. Sports Talk said put Mike Wright in, but now y'all won't acknowledge it. Yeah. I'll tell you, I said, I said, you got to give him a shot. Yeah. I don't know that we're not acknowledging I mean, it. I don't care who state plays at quarterback, to be perfectly honest with you, K Dog. I mean, that, like, I'll just be 100% candid, like, completely ripping the veil off. There is part of me that is amused by what Mississippi State is going through, right? The fact that I went to Ole Miss, I'm an Ole Miss fan, there is a level of misery that is amusing from the outside. But you know what the other part of me is? A radio host on a statewide sports talk show in Mississippi that will tell you the fact that they are so bad stinks and it's bad for business. It's not fun to talk about them at all. So play better, State. I can't believe what I'm hearing. This is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. It's one of those days where I'm really having trouble keeping up with the ceasefire text line. A lot of opinions from a lot of different places. Uh, coming in fast and furious. Uh, there's some debate about who has the best non-conference win in the SEC this year. What one of the two of you said it was Mississippi State's win over Arizona. A lot of people have pushed back on that and said that the Tulane win on the road was a better win. Uh, well, by ranking, well, I mean it is. But Missouri's win over Kansas State would also be in the discussion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the three, though. It, the, the quarterback thing, though, uh, back on that. I mean, this win over Georgia Tech's looking better and better too. It is. They're about to go to yeah, a bowl it game, is. it seems. But uh, I mean, Mike Wright nor Chris Parson can do what Rodgers did in Columbia, even though they lost the game. But uh, we've learned now that's a pretty pathetic South Carolina defense. Uh, I mean, really, really bad. Frankly, they should have. I know should have, could have, would have, but they should have lost on Saturday. Jacksonville State was driving uh, down just a few points late in the fourth quarter, and Stone Blanton, Mississippi, uh, intercepted a pass and took it back for a touchdown, like 88 yards or something like that. There's, and to state fans' credit, I haven't seen a single state fan justify how bad they look because starting quarterbacks out. Because it didn't look like it was worth a damn, worth a crap with starting quarterback available. It has looked undisciplined, and, and that was a big part Saturday night as well. How undisciplined they looked. You know, talk about A and M's lack of discipline and body language. The, the SEC received a video today of of a state player with some extracurricular activities that Mark Stoops talked about today. There was a level of chippiness that was not regular football stuff. And I know what Zach Arnett said at the quarter interview where it's just two teams that respect each other and that's all it is. No, man, it, your your team was undisciplined. The, the sheer volume of pushing and shoving and extra hits and all the, the crap talking when you're a bad team getting beat badly is an indicator of 
that. And that, that's been a year-long thing. Disorganization, discombobulation, bad messaging from the top, and now you're, you're getting into lack of discipline. Hey, what do you say at this point? I mean, if I'm being totally and true, truthfully honest here, I, I say that you're going to play three more football games and then you're going to have to make a massive decision. And nothing that I've seen since week one has made me think that the, that they won't make a change at the top when this is all said and done. I don't see how you can go forward like this. You saw today Mississippi State with a big decommitment from its uh, 2024 signing class, the Starkville receiver, Stonka Burnside. I mean, you can't go down that road again with a Starkville kid maybe ending up at Ole Miss and becoming a star. So, I mean, you're recruiting. That's the other thing. It's, you know, with Napier, right, it's like, well, they're not playing well right now, but look at this top five recruiting class he's bringing in. You don't have that state. You have the worst recruiting class in the conference. So, there, I mean, there's nothing to sell. There's no future to sell. There's no present to sell. It, it, it just feels like a formality to me at this point, an inevitable conclusion. And the best players on State's team are done after this season, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Watson and Johnson gone. You know, Will Rogers. I think Will Rogers has an, he has another year, but I, he will not spend it at Mississippi State. Um. You know, the guys who who could come back are Tulu Griffin and Xavion Thomas in terms of who you'd want back. I mean, I assume the Bulldog Initiative will have their work cut out for them, trying to keep them on board. Um, but beyond that, yeah, it's going to be a lot, a lot of new, a lot of new faces. I think it'll be similar to what Ole Miss has done in the portal in terms of numbers. You hope that you can have the same success, but in terms of getting twenty plus transfers coming in, it's going to have to be that way. I mean, in that kind of because people have asked on the text line, what does Zach Selman do? Well, I mean, you know, that's something that we'll discuss over the next few weeks, uh, obviously. But this new era of college football, paired with what's coming to the SEC, right? Texas and Oklahoma are joining the league next year. I mean, they, they are they are coming. So that's two more teams in your league that already just inherently have more resources and advantages that you are. Just add two more to the list. Of, of an uphill battle when you've got Alabama and LSU and A&M and Georgia already in this conference. So it's really easy to quickly get buried, right? It's it's very easy to, as a fan, to not give money to the collective. A new thing. Like a new coach for five years ago didn't have to worry about how much money we have on hand to build a roster. So So you could get buried quickly. That makes decisions more prominent faster. Also, on the flip side... You can turn over a roster faster. You can sign 20 high school kids and 20 portal kids if you need to, to to help influx the talent faster. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. You can really get left behind much faster in years past. And you can also climb out of that hole much faster than in years past if you're set up well and you hire the right person. Hey, you responded to the uh, person who said we can't spend like Ole Miss in terms of NIL. Yeah. I mean, I, either he didn't listen on Friday when I had Charlie Winfield on talking about NIL, or he just this is the point he wants to regurgitate. And I'll let him tell me which one it is. But, again, I, I'm going to say it again, and I'm going to repeat what Charlie said on Friday. State is in a fine position from an NIL perspective. They will be competitive in the transfer portal with the teams that they should be competitive with. 
And obviously nobody's putting actual dollar amounts out there in terms of what they've got right. available or whatever. Yeah. It probably wouldn't be real good for uh, – that wouldn't be great strategy. Correct. Yeah, is that, it, I mean, no did, did Charlie talk about the strategy changing this year? Because a year ago, Mississippi State and and – I think I've been pretty open about this. The majority of what they did in terms of NIL stuff was in terms of player retention. Retention. As opposed yeah, this year, to I mean, I, I transfer asked, portal guys or high school guys. Yeah, I asked him about that. And, you know, obviously he, he didn't go too deep into the strategy there, but he made it pretty clear that, yeah, he knows that this, this co- whoever the next coaching staff is, uh, is going to have to hit the transfer portal hard. They're going to have to change the way they looked at things from a season ago, and that, that Mississippi State is prepared to do that. Ceasefire tax line. Can we not get all the former MSU guys making this NFL money ponying up? Just takes one, but probably not. I, I keep going back to this. It's a different topic. Have you noticed how easy it is to spend other people's money? Oh, well, why can't he just, he's got millions of dollars. Why don't just have him throw a bunch of his money at? People either have enough money and choose to invest in the program that they love and they support, or they don't. But the idea that uh, just just ask them. They'll give you $3 million, a $1 million, $250,000. It's just, that's hard to do. Fundraising is hard. Yeah. you you, you got to have two different things in, in, in major fundraising. You've got to have volume. And then you got to have big donations, right? You 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 have to have people who have the means and the willingness to write big checks. And then you also need volume, where lots of people are writing smaller checks. It's just it's hard. And it, this is not Ole Miss specific, Mississippi State specific, Southern Miss specific. This is college athletics specific. Generally speaking, and there have been studies on this, former athletes don't give back a lot to the places where they went to school. Are there exceptions? Absolutely. Exceptions at Ole Miss and State and Southern Miss, lots of them. But in terms of the percentage of athletes who have gone through your program and have gone on to be successful, compared to the number of former athletes who actually give money back to the program where they played in college, it is a very, very small percentage. This is a great text here, too. Do you realize when you have that type of wealth how many times these guys get asked for money? How many people ask them for money daily? And like Fletcher Cox is, not to say that he's he's hurting, because of course he's not, but his $100 million contract, how much do you think he took home from that $100 million contract before he paid a single bill or or his agent or anything? Just how much money from his $100 million contract do you think actually hit his bank Half. account? Half. So you're, that $100 million turns into $50 million. Then you got to pay his agent. 
Probably got to pay a marketing person. Also, he's got to pay for well, stuff. No, I mean, no, I mean, I was taking all of those oh, things. Well, I mean, at, at, at best, he's taking home half of it. And it's just, it's, it's a lot of money. He's got a lot of money, but it's not. He didn't have a hundred million dollars. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. We're back with you right after this. Can you feel it? Can you hear it? Sports Talk Mississippi. Yeah! On Supertalk Mississippi. So 24-3, Kentucky wins in Starkville on Saturday night. I know state defense was okay for the most part. Kentucky had a total of 110 yards on the ground. They held Ray Davis to 80 yards with no touchdowns. Devin Leary threw for 156. Kentucky had less than 300 yards of total offense. Don't forget, State had the ball in one possession for 12 minutes to get three points. 12 minutes, 20 plays, 88 yards, three points. That's your season summed up right there. I, I, I didn't want to say that because I felt like it would feel like piling on, and it wasn't my intention to do so. But 20 plays, 88 yards, 12 minutes and 29 seconds, drive stalls out at the seven, and you kick a field goal. That's kind of like it in a nutshell, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, 100%. Did you think that he might shank the field goal when he lined up? Yes, I know you 100%. too well. I was just sitting there. I was like, hey, he's going to shank this. And it went through. I was like, all right, huh, see where it takes us. And then that's all it's, it took. That would have been poetry and not, you know, not all poetry is romantic. Um, but that, that's what that would have been. Just thinking about romantic poetry. I'm a big fan of romantic poetry. Huh. But, you know, we, we've gotten a couple messages. Like, you guys are being too negative. You guys are being too... But the the, re, the reality of the situation is... I don't think it was bias that led to fans having an expectation that the team would be better than this. Now, the, the, anybody predicting that this team would have won nine games, that, you know, that was wearing very thick colored glasses. That, that, that was a little much, asking of Arnett. But when you know... You know, I had a Southern Miss fan tweet me and say, well, it's not Ellis Johnson. Why are they thinking about making a change? And my response to him would be, this roster should have been better than they are. What is Mississippi State's offensive identity? What is their offense? What is it? What is it? I hope you're not asking me because I, I don't know the answer it, to that it's question. A, it's a rhetorical <laughs> question. What is it? <laughs> Yeah. And it's, and I think that the timing is important, and I think the thousands upon thousands of empty seats in a home game against an SEC team on a beautiful night 
All that kind of stuff as an administrator, you just simply cannot ignore. Because it's more than just wins and losses on a football field, right? Mississippi State University, and the same thing applies to Ole Miss and and Alabama, they, they need people to show up seven weeks a year, this year eight. It's it's more than just, well, you know, they can still go to a bowl game this year. The product's not being the product is ugly and it's also not being supported. That's a factor here. If you're Zach Selman, you look up in the stands, that that tells you just as much as the ugly product on the field. I think it does anyway. So the uniforms look great. They did. I mean, I'm like, they I'm, did I'm being great. serious. Like, it, it was really a good look. Yeah. Are they going to stick with it? They're, I I don't know. I don't think that's the plan. But I think there might be enough of an outcry to to change the plan. Well, you, I mean, but hold on a second now. Are are you in danger, Haydad, of being the boy who cried wolf? Because you were state script, state script, state script. That should be the mark of this university. Uh, and then they were like, "Oh, well, here's their." Oh, you're like, "Oh, this is it." When I was presented with new information, it's like they had the state script. It's like, "Looks great, fantastic," and they're like, "Oh, by the way, we're going to put the interlocking like the back out there." Of the charge of this needs to be the because I didn't know this was the... an option. I didn't know this was going to oh, be an you, option for me. You thought Nike owned the mark and. You, you no, I didn't that think that. For all those years, I didn't buy that. I just thought they'd never go back to it because I thought my thought process was if they go back to it, everybody's gonna be like, "Well, now you can never go back to anything else. This is the look you have to keep." And I didn't think they want to paint themselves in that corner, which is exactly what they've done. People would be okay with the state script, though, if they mixed it in with the interlocking MSU, wouldn't they? <sighs> yeah, well, is that not been as well yeah. received as? See, like you give the interlocking to 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 football, and then you put state script on basketball, and you're like your big. You can put it on the middle of the field and stuff, I guess. But that's the helmet everybody wants, though, is and that's the jersey everybody wants. It looks really good. Yeah. Yeah. In Hattiesburg Saturday night, Southern Miss got a win. Had to feel good for those guys. Yeah, I mean, it had to feel good for those guys. And for every fan in attendance, too. I mean, if you were still showing up to that game, then good on you, man. Because you are committed in ways that most people wouldn't be, and you deserve that one. 24-7. So it was it was good all the way around. Um, and it was fast out of the gate. Southern Miss scores with... Ten minutes, almost eleven minutes left in the opening quarter to make it seven to nothing. They had a second touchdown, I guess, on their second drive of the game to make it fourteen to nothing. Kick a field goal in the first quarter. It's seventeen to nothing. They give up a uh, a ULM touchdown in the third quarter to make it seventeen seven, and then one more touchdown from Frank Gore about the midway point of the fourth quarter. Twenty four seven, the final. Good night for Frank Gore. 24 carries, 131 yards, and a touchdown. Average five and a half yards per carry. So, what do we think the issue? Do we think Frank Gore was hurt and just kind of playing through it for much of the year? Or is this a function of kind of handing over the play calling duties over the last couple of weeks and fresh set of eyes being good for everybody? I would hope that 
Will Hall, when he was calling plays, his first thought was, how do I not give the ball to Frank Gore? You know, I don't care who's calling plays for Southern Miss. That needs to be priority one, is to get the ball into our hands of our best guy. So, But I do think that, I mean, I think we saw a little bit of it with Arkansas, too. Sometimes when you when you make those changes, you get that little bit of a spark. And maybe that's what get, got USM got uh, with this change. Yeah, maybe so. Um, so what, more yards in the last two games than in the first seven combined for Frank Gore? Because he's about 30, 130, about almost 400 yards in the last two games. And an offense that is, has looked like it had a pulse. Billy Wiles, 11 of 23 for a couple hundred yards, touchdown, one pick in the game. Had an 80-yard touchdown pass, was sacked three times. Spread the ball around to a bunch of different receivers. It was um, it was a good night. Bunch of first downs, moved it through the air, moved it on the ground, 238 yards. Um, let's see, two, Southern Miss, 238 through the air and 206 on the ground. Yeah. 450 yards of offense. That's good stuff. And then Dylan Lawrence led the way. They had a bunch of different guys that made tackles and had three sacks in the game and just did a lot of good. Now it was against a, a ULM team that had struggled, had two wins coming in, uh, winless in conference play, but you know what? Who cares? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter who it was, how it was, any of that stuff. They got the win, and congratulations on that front. Coming up for Southern Miss... Friday night game this week against um, Louisiana. The Cajuns. Go to Lafayette. Yep. Yeah. They get that extra day of rest before the trip to Starkville. Yeah. Uh, Cajuns are five and four on the year, two and three in conference play. So Southern Miss now two and seven. It's trying to kind of build on things and uh, have a little bit better finish to the year than the uh, the way it began. So congrats to the Golden Eagles on the win, and uh, so. Yes, extra day to get ready next week, but a day short this week for the uh, for the quick turnaround with the uh, the trip to Lafayette. Saturday was good all around college football, and let's take a look at what the SEC was. Pretty entertaining. I bonded with a Purdue fan at the grocery store over uh, the Michigan cheating scandal. Wearing a Purdue shirt, I just. I said, hey, hope you beat the cheaters today. And he smiled. He said, I know we're not. <laughs> and uh, sure enough, he was right. I also had another. And they didn't. And they didn't. Another bizarre interaction at the grocery store on Saturday morning after talking to the Purdue fan. I I, I call my my son Monster. This is a nickname I have. Come here, Monster. Or whatever. It's just a little nickname. I call him Monster. He's my little monster. And. He wasn't paying attention, and as we were moving up in line, I said, hey, the monster, come here. And he turned around and came to me, and the guy in front of me turns around and goes, is that his name? And I looked at him, I was like, no, no, sir, that's not his name. And he goes, oh, good. I was worried there for a second. <laughs> Did you think I named should've, my kid Monster, you moron? You should have you you named him. You should have gone with that. Just been like, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's family yeah. name. Named him after my dad. <laughs> Southern Miss games. He's Monster Junior. Friday night. Sorry, I was sitting there looking at it and was looking at six thirty ESPNU, and there's so many midweek games that I thought I had scrolled to the games that were on Friday night. It's actually on Thursday night, six thirty on ESPNU Thursday night against Louisiana. 
listen to it at work. At work. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Did you get that memo? Yes, sir. Richard, if I told you that Ole Miss picked up a commitment from four-star offensive lineman Monster Borky, I mean, you'd be pretty happy, right? You'd be like, that kid's got to be a stud, right? Yeah. Name like that. Guy's so out of touch. Hey, you should have said yes, his name's Monster. Is that an issue? That's what I'm saying, yeah. I, I know I should have. I was just so taken because I, I thought he was joking at first. He wasn't joking. He actually thought that I named the kid Monster. Just weird. Yeah. Weird. That's when you got to be like, yeah. We need to stop what we're doing right now. Huh? And we need to give people an opportunity to win. Everybody All wants right. to win. Not everybody can win. Everybody wants to win. The summer of '99 tour. Wait, I thought we were going to rig that so I could get the tickets so I could go because I actually want to. I, I want to go. The summer of '99 tour with Creed and Daughtry is coming to Brandon next September. Plenty of time, Borky. Let's go there. Tickets. Well, let's make our escape. Have, it's next September. You can save, uh, but you, you or time. or I could just rig this thing. Tickets are on sale right now at Ticketmaster.com and at the Brandon Amphitheater box office. And now is your chance to win a pair of tickets to see Creed and Daughtry. This is where Borky's going, what number is he going to say? What number is he going to say? I already know what number I'm going to pick. It's mine. No, I'm kidding. Now is your chance to win a pair of tickets to see Creed and Daughtry. You're going to have to... Send your message to the Ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Be the 12th person. 12th. Oh. Key phrase, creed. Pretty simple. Spell it right. Has to be spelled correctly also. 12th person, Ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Key phrase, creed, for your chance to win a pair of tickets to see Creed and Daughtry next September. Planted a long way out on this one. Don't win tickets. You can buy them at uh, Ticketmaster.com and at the uh, Brandon Amphitheater box office. You've been to a concert there, haven't so you? So let's go there. No? All right. Sorry. Uh, yeah, no, I was just leaving you hanging. I think Borky's counting. I am counting. And, and therefore he couldn't um, he is, yeah. Couldn't answer my question. Wait, hold on. This guy that's got a few okay. bottles of Blanton's, I- I'll make you the winner if you send me one. Unfortunately, you are not the uh, the winner. We do have one now. What were the where where did you see Blanton's? Uh, oh, there you go. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, I'd, Nathan, good for you. Yeah, I'd make you the winner for sure uh, if if you would send me one of those. No, I I have been. It's it's a great venue. Honestly, there's not a bad seat in the place, and the, the sound is good. So I've sat. Uh, sat, quote-unquote, stood in the pit, like right up next to the stage, and I've sat on literally the last row of the venue, and the sound is good throughout. I mean, it's quick access to, to beer, which is what what I was excited about. It's a, it's a really, really nice – parking is easy, getting out of it's easy. Like, it's a really cool place uh, to go see a show. It's very, very well planned. I know that's a yeah. thing that, like, 
old people think about, but like the the planning that went into it, getting in and out, and like the logistics of lines and all that was really good. We are old people, just so you know. Um, feels like there'll be a big crowd for that one. Like it'll be oh, packed. They'll sell it out. I mean, I, yeah. I'm going. Like I'm not being ironic or anything. Like some people are about Creed's new tour. Like I will go and I will have a great time and enjoy it. There you go. Hey, uh, tomorrow you can get live up to the minute results from across the state of Mississippi during our Super Talk Mississippi election special coverage. It starts at eight o'clock tomorrow night. Results from Super Talk Mississippi's news team plus analysis and discussion from guests from across the political spectrum. Coverage will begin tomorrow night at 8 o'clock on your local Super Talk Mississippi stations, the Super Talk app, and on Super Talk TV. I hear the host got some of that tr- is a bum, yeah. but... we got some true political experts on this show. Yeah. I'm actually really looking forward to that tomorrow night. Um, I'm really looking forward to the commercials to go away. You mean on television? I'm not. On television. Oh, yeah. I'm about to say, I'll tell you, I was like, yeah, they can commercialize all they want on this radio. Yeah, network. no, they're disrupting my football. Mm-hmm. Well, as long as it doesn't go to a runoff, they'll go to uh, way after tomorrow. Uh, no, a runoff, more political attack ads during my football. Um, so, yeah, uh, check that out tomorrow night, uh, Super Talk TV and uh, on these Super Talk radio stations. Looking forward to uh, to that tomorrow. How much coffee, coffee are you going to drink tomorrow? tomorrow? Can you drink coffee after noon and sleep at night? Because there are people that can't. I can. I can drink coffee at 8 and be asleep by 11 if I need to. I I used to actually be able to go to sleep, like, sipping on a cup of coffee. Uh, I can't anymore. No. Don't you think this show would have been a lot better if all three of us were doing it? I mean, just just straight from (laughs) sports talk into the election? I I would be up for it, to be honest with you. This just that we are your election correspondents. We're calling it. I mean, if We've you want to check in with, I, I'm going to be there. Uh, if you want to check in with Will and see if there's an extra seat available, you're you're welcome to uh, join the party if somebody else signs off on that. We'll see what happens. Uh, so yeah, that's coming up tomorrow from uh, from eight until eleven, at least eleven tomorrow night. Sports Talk Mississippi, <laughs> five o'clock hour coming up after this. What we do next? Keep it moving, buddy. You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. Triple eight eight zero eight eight six three seven on Super Talk Mississippi. Five o'clock hour. Welcome back. Thanks for being with us. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad in the Pearl River Resort studio. Pearl River Resort, full of great live entertainment. You can check out all that's happening at Pearl River Resort and buy your tickets online at pearlriverresort.com. Seaspire text line is open 601-879-4395. Whether you're looking for the best in wireless, the best in home internet, or the best in business IT services, Seaspire has you covered. Seaspire, customer inspired. Sports Talk Mississippi brought to you in part by Genteel. Genteel Apparel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. I'm sure if you've been going to games this year, you've noticed how many people are in Genteel golf shirts or Genteel quarter zips, pullovers. 
uh, you can be as well. Go to their website, genteelapparel.com. Check out all of the newest items to arrive. Great-looking fall collection, plus all of the classics and their collegiate collection, all available online at genteelapparel.com, the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. Let's um, let's get into the college football fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. You can test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer today. A couple of uh, news and notes items. We'll get to winners and losers starting in the uh, next segment of the show. we get TV times for next weekend's games. Not this weekend, but next weekend. This is Saturday, November 18th, uh, and this is the date on the schedule that's uh, a little bit lighter than some. Uh, we did, though, get the finalization of Ole Miss, Georgia on Saturday. Remember, they we right. didn't know yet they were they did the, yep. the flex deal. and N- Night game. So somebody asked earlier, why is it that they are putting the Missouri-Tennessee game on CBS instead of a top ten matchup between Ole Miss and Georgia. And there's actually a very simple explanation. You are capped at five CBS appearances per year with an asterisk. Here's the asterisk. This Georgia's next appearance on CBS will be their sixth. But every SEC team must appear on CBS once every three years. And so when the Georgia-Vanderbilt game was on CBS earlier this year, that did not count against Georgia's number of appearances because that was Vanderbilt's required once in a three-year window on CBS per the terms of the contract. So your question earlier about why is Ole Miss Georgia not on CBS, it's really simple. And it has to do with the November 18th schedule. By the way, not a bad spot. It's on ESPN primetime, and you've got Chris Fowler, Kirk Herbstreet, and Holly Rowe on the uh, on the call of the game. So uh, that's all good. Um, the reason they went Tennessee-Missouri this week is so that they could take Georgia-Tennessee next week because the rest of the schedule is poo-poo in terms of television viewing audience. ULM Ole Miss is at 11 on the SEC Network. And remember, Ole Miss's game against Mercer was an SEC Network Plus, ESPN Plus game back at the beginning of the year. So every school has one of those. So Ole Miss has already satisfied that, so their game had to be on TV. Chattanooga at Alabama, ESPN Plus at 11. Southern Miss, Mississippi State, ESPN Plus, SEC Plus at 11. Same thing for Abilene Christian, Texas A&M. Georgia, Tennessee on CBS at 2.30. New Mexico State Auburn on the SEC Network at 3. Florida, Missouri is at 6.30 on ESPN. Kentucky, South Carolina, 6.30 SEC Network. FIU at Arkansas, 6.30 ESPNU. And Georgia State LSU is at 7 on ESPN2. So, not a great slate of games next week. A lot of non-conference matchups. Uh, And that's the reason that you don't have Ole Miss Georgia on CBS, which... Clearly, would have been CBS's choice. Yeah, 
I, I did see a lot of people kind of, uh, frankly, in my opinion, for whatever it's worth to you, overreact to the time of the game as if the three-and-a-half-hour difference between a 2.30 kickoff and a 6 o'clock kickoff is going to be the difference in winning and losing the game. I just, I mean, you can sell me on 11 a.m. versus 7 p.m. Uh, I mean, that I, I get, but it, th- this is a team that hasn't lost at home since 2018. It's been that long since Georgia's lost at home. And it's only three-and-a-half-hour difference between the two possible kickoff times. We're not going to sit here on Monday and say, well, man, if that game would have kicked off at 2.30, Ole Miss would have won, but it was a 6 o'clock kickoff and so they lost. Just, I don't find a material difference in the kickoff times on Saturday. Also in Athens. That's what I meant. What did I say? I'm just saying you're talking about the kickoff times. Who cares for Ole Miss? It's in Athens. Right, but people are reacting to that as if it will have an impact on the game. Well, they're they're going to have three ah, and a okay. half hours more to, to get drunk and be oh, louder. No, and no, it, no, no. There, There's going to be no material difference between I the two. I got you. I got you now. I hope Georgia decides to do a blackout. <laughs> they don't fend well in those. They don't, they don't, don't, they don't do that. They have to wear the black jerseys and they ask all their fans to wear black. That has not worked particularly well for them. I don't know. Grasping at straws. Uh, we'll get into the, the Ole Miss-Georgia matchup as we go through the uh, rest of the week. Plenty of time to do that. What about this past weekend, though? All right, so Georgia beats Missouri 30-21. to Missouri was in that game. Brady Cook, man. Yeah. Uh, just an just the the worst timed interception that you can think of in that spot. He had been playing well, not great, but been playing well. And then two late interceptions, just bad, bad throws, bad decisions, and cost his team. Uh, Bama beats LSU forty two twenty eight. The thing that most people are talking about from that game is Dallas Turner not being flagged for targeting. Uh, in fact, when we mentioned that earlier, even just reading somebody's message from the ceasefire text line, there were a couple of Alabama fans that jumped on and were like, it was a clean hit. It was a cl-. They got roughing the passer on it. So you got a 15-yard penalty. <sighs> Can I say I don't know? Like, I've watched it a bunch. And there's part of me that's like, man, I hate that Jaden Daniels got hurt on that play, but that was textbook. But then there's the other part of me that says when you take the rules of targeting and you say it was a defenseless player, it was forcible contact to the head or neck area, you can debate whether or not there was a launch, and you had driving a quarterback into the ground, it it kind of feels like we've seen calls that looked a whole lot less like targeting that have been ruled targeting and upheld. And that one wasn't even reviewed for targeting. Do you guys have a strong opinion one way or the other as to whether or not that play was targeting? At first glance, I thought it was targeting. And, I mean, they kept on the replay. And, I mean, it's it's, it's iffy. And I was surprised in this day and age of college football that they didn't just err on the side of caution and go with targeting. Because I think it really felt like a coin flip. Now, old school Brian Haydad, 47-year-old father of two, who grew up watching football in the 80s, was like, great hit. It's like, ooh, what a hit. Exactly. That's exactly my first reaction. But as after I, I watched it a couple times, I was like, that could be targeting. But then it wasn't. I was like, well, I don't really know what targeting is, I guess. 
Yeah, I mean, you you could really break down the arguments on both sides. Regardless, though, it, it was... I hate to attribute motive when I'm not in the dude's head, and it's a game that happens so fast. But, man, that sure does happen a lot to that guy. He sure is the center of a lot of hits that are questionable on quarterbacks like that. And I thought what... Was it Jeff Goodman at AL.com wrote about that hit was was pretty awful. Joseph Goodman. Joseph Goodman. Well, it was pretty awful. You can write about that game without glorifying a head injuries, which is what he did. I mean, the guy was concussed. I can't believe they let him back in the game, quite frankly. One play, and I think they realized, no, he it, can't play. It, uh, our, our friend Ryan Brown was pointed out on Twitter, and he was right. He's like, I'm not joking. It looked like he didn't know where he was when he went back on the field. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I A hit like that I don't think should get you thrown out of a game. But, again, it sure happens to that guy a lot. I mean, you guys know I'm not conspiracy theory when it comes to the officials. I'm just not. But doesn't it feel like there are a bunch of SEC teams that if they had had their linebacker do that to an opposing quarterback would have been called for targeting? If Nathaniel Watson does that in Baton Rouge, what happens? Out. Out of the game. If Suntarian Perkins does that in Tuscaloosa a few weeks ago, what happens? Out. It is out. Now, I say that, and Devin White got hit for targeting at the end of a Mississippi State game in a meaningless hit and, and got hit for it a few years back, but I feel pretty confident. Yeah. It certainly changed the game. It it, it ended LSU's chances 100%. because they did not bring a more uh, a mobile quarterback into the game. Winners of Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Will you ever get so excited that you just can't wait? Yes. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi team. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Don't touch that dial. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi brought to you in part by Visit Oxford. You can find them online at visitoxfordms.com. Lots going on. Uh, about a week and a half away, two weeks away from the start of Holly Jolly Holidays. The ice rink is back. There is a Christmas movie that is being filmed in Oxford weekend after next. Uh, just a lot that's happening, and we'll keep you up to date with all of that. You can track it yourself at visitoxfordms.com or by following them on all of their social media platforms, Instagram, TikTok, TikTok, Facebook, and uh, Twitter, slash X, at VisitOxfordMS. Also, if you are in the market for a new or used vehicle, uh, check out Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota. They're located on Highway 6 West in Oxford, just west of town, and they got a great selection. In fact, when I drove by on the way to the studio today, there was a truck that was there, and they were unloading new vehicles. Got some F-150s on there, different trim levels that are available, uh, a couple of Bronco Sports that are on the lot, some Explorers, Expeditions, great choice, not to mention the uh, the used car selection. And then just up the hill at uh, Oxford Toyota, Forerunners, Tundras, Tacomas, the award-winning 
Lasts Forever, Toyota Camry, all of those available to you at Oxford Toyota and, uh, of course, at Belk Ford. Find them online at belkford.net, oxfordtoyota.com. Great family company that's been in business for a really long time, and they will treat you the way you want to be treated and make the car buying or truck buying experience as easy and painless as it possibly can be. Belk Ford, Oxford Toyota, Highway 6 West in Oxford. All right, time right now for winners and losers. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. I'm a loser, baby. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. I made my list on the uh, on the plane coming home Saturday night as I was going through box scores from college football and watching games and all those things. So I got a bunch, but I'm going to start with one that's kind of off the wall. Um, do you remember former Ole Miss golfer Braden Thornberry? He was the yes. NCAA individual champion. He won the award for the best collegiate or the best amateur golfer in the country. Um, his last year at Ole Miss, but he's had a tough time in the professional golf circuit. Hasn't really. He's had a f- couple of sponsor exemption opportunities on the PGA Tour. Uh, he's been trying to get it done on the Corn Ferry Tour. He's trying to qualify for the European Tour, and Q School is one of the most nerve-wracking things that any golfer will ever go for go through. At the second stage of Euro Q School, he opened with an 81 and was in third to last place. In the second round, he shot the second best score. In the third round, he shot the third best score. And earlier today, he got through a five, uh, five players competing for four spots playoff to advance in Euro Q School. That is some grinding on the golf course when you find yourself at the back of the pack to start things off and everybody's playing for their professional lives. So congratulations to Braden Thornberry advancing in the uh, Euro Q School um, trials. Uh, He's a winner. I just went completely off the wall for you on that. Hey, Dad, give me a winner. Greenville, Mississippi's own Dylan Johnson. What a tremendous game for him Saturday night. I have it on my list. And, yeah, 256 yards rushing. I think that's the second highest total ever in Washington history. A lot of Mississippi State folks were, oh, we won't miss Dylan Johnson. And I was not one of those people. I was, uh, I was pretty good. I, I, I thought he was a good player. Um, and so how, not only is he playing well, but he's playing for a team that could find itself playing for a national championship. So uh, very good for him, good for Dylan Johnson. I liked him when I got a chance to cover him, even though he went to Greenville St. Joe. Four touchdown runs, and he averaged 9.8 yards per carry. I kept looking like he, he would be on the sideline. I'd be like, "What? put him in the game. What? what why, why are you had, resting him? This might be the stat that got Alex Grinch fired. He had 199 yards rushing before contact in that game. Ooh. That doesn't make any sense. It does not. Borky, give me a winner. Josh Dobbs is the sports winner of the uh, weekend. Very good. Kirk Cousins uh, tears his Achilles, uh, and the Vikings were turning it around, and Cousins is playing well, and he tears his Achilles, and they trade for Josh Dobbs. 
but he's not starting. Jaron Hall is starting. He gets knocked out of the game with a concussion, and in enters Josh Dobbs. They're losing, by the way. Had to, to lead a comeback there. But in enters Josh Dobbs, who did not take a single snap with the offense in practice at all. He didn't know most of his teammates' names. And on the sidelines, when they realize, oh, you got to go play, he's working with the entire offensive line on what their cadences are. He doesn't even know what the cadences are. And he is learning plays and cadences and names on the sideline and goes into the game and plays well and wins. He led their team in rushing. He was 20 of 30 for 160 yards and a couple of touchdowns and led the comeback win on the road in Atlanta. Just incredible stuff from Josh Dobbs, and he's going to start against the Saints this week. Earned that one for sure, but the video of him talking to his offensive line and them telling him, here's how, here's our cadence, buddy, Down, and we're going to go set, in. <laughs> hut. Got it? Good. And, and we're going to go in the game now. Is unbelievable. Somebody on the ceasefire text line says, Dobbs is also a genius. I remember his interview reciting Pi to he 40 is. digits when he was at Tennessee. Yeah, he was a... I mean... He's a rocket aerospace surgeon, right? engineering major. Yeah, yeah he, he basically rocket He's surgeon. A rocket yeah. surgeon. Yeah. Uh, winner Jalen Milrow, first ever Alabama quarterback with four rushing touchdowns in a game. Guys, his improvement from being benched against South Florida to being as good as you could be at the position on Saturday night against LSU is incredible. It's, it's you know we really... uh, we did a massive overreaction Monday once and we didn't stick with it. I really liked it. Would you like me to have one right now? Uh, sure. I would take Alabama to beat Georgia and win the SEC right now. Looks like they're going to get a chance. I think I think that's going to I think that's going to I think I think Alabama's going to the the college football playoff as the SEC champion. Um, I'm stealing a page from Borky's book, but for a winner. Davo, they're five and four. I, I, I'm not talking about the season as a whole. I'm you got the. It's just for this Saturday. week. It's each week. What did you, get you a like winner. from the weekend? What did you not like from the weekend? That's how we do winners and losers. I mean, he had them ready to play. Now, I'm not entirely sure about his post game comment where he goes. You better buy stock in Clemson because it's going up. Eh, I don't know about that. But on Saturday, Dabo was a winner. Dabo, I bought my stock in Clemson in 2018, and now I can't pay my mortgage. Well, you should have sold high. you got to sell high. <laughs> you got to sell high. That's the whole thing. How many times have I told you? Throw one more at you. Uh, and the SEC yeah, recognized him as co-offensive player of the week. Trey Harris was... Incredible on Saturday. 11 for 213 on 15 targets with a touchdown catch. What did he, did he have? Was it three or four just ridiculously contested? You're not, those aren't even 50 50 balls that he came down with. Mm-hmm. One There's four of them. Double coverage, one where he did the Odell Beckham, I mean, just one handed catch over his head, kept that foot in bounds. He was special. How about this one on the ceasefire text line? Winner, David Kellum. His energy is why we love him. Loser, his voice. 
Put him on the pup list until Saturday after that game from this past weekend. Did he lose his voice? No, I think it was just, the point was just there were so many exciting wow. moments. Yeah, he didn't get to go I mean, on he the. A, uh, he, he's, he's got basketball tonight. <laughs> he had a great weekend, great great win for the Rebels, and of course getting to be on with me on Friday. What a great weekend for him. Yeah, yeah, you really got it started on the uh, on the right foot, didn't you? There what you can I say? I'm a. I got the magic touch. Borky, you got one more winner. Or you want to throw a loser in? Uh, Coach Prime. Is a loser. No, that's everybody's um, on this one. Everybody needs to pick him. Uh, firing, essentially firing Sean Lewis, demoting him, whatever you want to call it. Remember, this is a guy that quit his job coach. as a head coach to go be the OC at Colorado, and they're running successful offense despite one of the worst offensive lines in the sport. And you demote him for Shermer who amassed 78 yards on their first 40 plays and another embarrassing offensive night. It's almost as if Sean Lewis wasn't the problem. And by the way, he will have 50-plus Houston Nut job offers at the end of this year to come call offense. At least. Are we assuming that they're not going to bury the hatchet and get it all figured out? Oh, he's gone. There's no... I'd be gone. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort studio. We're back right after this. What we're going to do right here is go back. And now back to back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling. On Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, Dad, with you for the rest of the show. Hey, Dad, do you have a loser that you would like to present to the class? I mean, you stole mine. I think I think everybody had Dion just locked in and ready to go. Um, gosh, probably if I had to had to pick one, I would. I want to stick with like you know USC, the the USC Oklahoma. You know, let's go Oklahoma because that needs to be brought up. Yeah, because can you you know we talk about how how incredibly intense the Egg Bowl rivalry is every year. And can you imagine if there was a mic drop game where they weren't going to play each other anymore and then the la- whoever got that last win would just have bragging rights in perpetuity? And yeah, the Egg Bowl is lopsided as it is. Right? Ole Miss has a big lead in that. There's no question about that. So if State got the last one, that would be incredible. But Bedlam is a lot more lopsided than is the Egg Bowl rivalry. And it wasn't Oklahoma State's choice to end this rivalry. Uh, the Oklahoma moving on kind of made it untenable, and now they get they get they get the walk off. And they, you've you've not only did they do that, they've killed their national title hopes. Um, I mean, it's just it's, that's as good as it gets in college football. So for Oklahoma, you know, who's a team that even when they beat Texas, I was just like, this is not the best team in the Big Twelve. They they're not. I was confident Texas would beat them in a rematch. Now we'll see if the rematch can happen. Um, but yeah, Oklahoma dropping the final game of, of that rivalry—that's that's a big—that's a big L. Yeah, uh, though the folks in Norman, Norman are not too pleased with former Ole Miss offensive coordinator Jeff Lebby, which uh, you know that that's a name that's getting brought up around here. And mm-hmm. what what I have said to everyone that I've, I've seen bring that up is you can't go from one coordinator 
with no head coaching experience to another one, especially when that one is possibly getting fired at the end of the year? You just you, you've got to get said no to a few dozen times before you enter that. At least in my opinion, I, I think that you don't have to take that risk. Uh, and I wouldn't have him anywhere close to the top of my list. But anyway, that conversation for a uh, for a later date. Ben on the text line says, "Winner Delta State now eight and one. They beat West Georgia forty seven thirteen on Saturday on the road, giving them twelve straight road wins. That is an impressive mark right there." End of the game with a big Very boy good. scoop and score. If they beat Mississippi College on Saturday, they will win at least a share of the Gulf South for a second straight year. Very good. Somebody says State needs to hire Levy. I'm on the Levy train. Uh, tell me why. I would, lo- I just, I would love to hear the rationale. Tell me why. Well, I, I will just tell you that. I, I like Lebby. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a fantastic young coach. He'll be a head coach soon enough. And I'll be honest, like four or five weeks ago, I might could have bought into the idea of Jeff Lebby for sure. But at this point now, with what Mississippi State is as a program and what they need going forward, you have to get an experienced head coach, mm-hmm. somebody who has coached before, been a head coach before. This state, And I, and I think Lebby would be a good hire. I think he would come in and do well. But I feel like State needs to, a little less risk in who they hire. Uh, Jeff says David did lose his voice a little bit late during the A&M game. Another one said uh, he became hoarse on the interception to possibly end the game that was overturned. Uh, yeah, I heard that. I heard that he had like the, the his game over call when, uh, well, I think it was Gaddy, right, who intercepted it, but mm-hmm. it ended up he was bobbling yeah. as he was stepping out of bounds. The correct right, call, right, by right. the way, I saw... Somebody. Yeah, it wasn't a catch. Yeah, that, that wasn't a catch at all. But um, yeah, I heard that that David did his like game over call on that because everybody from the angle that we saw thought, oh, oh I mean, the clear interception definitely caught it. Ball game over. Just uh, for him to have to call a, a missed field goal uh, a few minutes later. So uh, happens uh, to the best of us, including the best of the best. Somebody asked who we have winning the Ole Miss or Georgia game. We would not be doing this correctly if we revealed that to you on Monday. We've got four more days of previewing. We're not going to give you a, a pick there. Um, yeah, no shot. Who do you think we are? Yeah. Bunch of ham and eggers over here. Bunch of jabrones. You have to tune in on Friday to get that pick. Somebody says, loser, Isaiah Ward's 13 yards against the 102nd best rushing defense. Uh, that is Southern Miss. Another one, not an overreaction. If Bowers is out for the season, Bama is going to the college football playoff. There's a chance we don't see him again. Yeah, I'm not going to see him this week. So They got Ladd back. I, if, I'm, if I'm Georgia... If I'm Georgia, if he can't be back this week, I mean, if he could be back this week, you would want him because Ole Miss is a good team and you'd want to be full strength. But if you can't have him this week, you don't need him back until the, the SEC championship game. Yeah. You don't have to worry about Georgia Tech, and I don't know who they have. Or Tennessee. Ooh, Tennessee. But the timeline doesn't really add up on him yeah. being back this week. So unless there's been a material change, then uh, mm-hmm. not gonna not going to see him. Uh, another one here, Tyler from Spartanburg, is the real winner. Another one, winner, David Kellum. His energy is why we love him. Uh, I, I think we read that, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Winner, Zach Arnett, defensive coordinator job at USC, just came open. 
They would they would they they would they would be wise to call him if and when that comes open. NASA called Josh Dobbs the Pastronaut. That is a great nickname for him. It's a great nickname. Elite. CJ Stroud, a winner, broke the rookie single game passing Unbelievable. record. Unbelievable. Finally got an Ohio State quarterback worth a darn. On the same weekend that Bryce Young threw two Interception Two returns sixes. for not, a touchdown? Not just, not just interceptions. There's a return for a touchdown. The worst kind of interception. And also a reminder that the Panthers traded this year's first-round pick to get him, mm-hmm. and they are the worst team in the league. Yeah. When the Bears take Jackson Dart and Trey Harris, they're going <laughs> to feel foolish. Zach and Oxford says, refs during our game. Did I see that wrong, guys? Uh, here's another one, uh, or a continuation, I should say. He said, reviewed every one of A&M's plays, but not ours. Three overturn calls in a row. These refs proved they were incompetent. Did I see that wrong? Yeah, so they got the last review absolutely correct. That, that was not an interception. That, that was a very easy call to make. On, on that long catch that set up an A&M touchdown, I'm surprised they overturned it. If the call on the field would have been catch, I would have said that it should stand. It was called incomplete. And he had his hands like on top of the ball. And when the nose of the ball hit the ground, it clearly moved. And, and so I don't – overturning that there is uh, an interesting de- decision for sure. Uh, the, the crew was awful. On on Saturday, they, they called it an OPI on A and M, so it wouldn't. I don't think it was just like they only called things against Ole Miss. I, I think the OPI was a bad call there that that stalled an A and M drive. There was a holding on Caden Prescorn that is unfathomable. Hey, I, I don't know how mm-hmm. closely you got to see the the holding on Prescorn where he did not. I mean, he touched the guy in that he was able to get his fingers like on his chest. And that was it. Like he was like reaching as far as he could to touch the guy on a block, and like his his hand like grazed his his stomach mm-hmm. chest area, and like the guy turned and ran after the ball. Like calling holding there is unfathomable, and they they did it. I mean, they, they call one against Ole Miss. Yeah, huh, sounds like a good call to me. I don't know. Just the way you're describing. It. Uh, I mean, <laughs> and people are doing the. You know, the SEC wanted Ole Miss, or or it's rigged against Ole Miss. And and my counter is the SEC needed Ole Miss to win that game. They wanted Why would Ole Miss, exactly, why would the SEC want Ole Miss to lose that game? They would want a top 10 matchup in Athens, Mm -hmm. and they would want to possibly see Ole Miss Miss losing that game, and then they lose in Athens. They're kind of on the border for getting one of the top bowls, the top tier bowls, right? Right. A 10 and 2 Ole Miss team, you're going to the Peach Bowl, the Cotton Bowl, the Orange Bowl, something. More money for the conference. Foolish to assume that the SEC would want anything but an Ole Miss team to win that game. It's just gross incompetence. That 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 that's what Saturday was. It, it was gross incompetence yet again. And it, here we are, year after year, having the same conversations. It's that that's just. I, I I hate to say it, but it sounds like it's just something that the league is is just okay with, and they're just going to accept that 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 is the product that they put on the field. Uh, every week, where there are hundreds of millions of dollars on the line, and they're okay with you know guys that spend Monday through Friday at their financial firm um, hopping on a plane and uh, having to try to control and understand 
a game that is happening at the speed in which it's happening, it doesn't make sense. I, I don't know how they don't either add more to the crew or a sky judge or make them full-time employees. I, I don't know how that they are okay with the current setup, but they are. And so just take your check and deal with it. That, I mean, that, that's, that's the aura around the league right now. I mean, we, we go to media days every year. I've never heard Greg Sankey once address the need to improve there, not in any material no. way. No. So no, that, that's how that, that's they're just they're just good with that. Period. Six zero one eight seven nine forty three ninety five. A ton of your messages have come in. Uh, we won't be able to get to them all, but we will try when we come back at Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Basketball season starts this week. Old Miss will play here in about an hour from right now, Alabama State and Oxford to start the Chris Beard era. Mississippi State men won't get underway for another couple of days. They're Starting the season a little bit differently, Arizona State uh, and Mississippi State facing off to start the season. However, we've already gotten a great moment. College college sports are just the best sometimes. So Samford, the Birmingham Bulldogs of Samford, are at Purdue today. Game tipped off a few minutes ago. And Samford's coach uh, was promoting this game by telling people he's going to have his shortest player Tip off against the giant uh, Zach. What is it, Edie, the the seven foot four giant at Purdue, and people didn't believe him. Like he said, I'm going to put the shortest guy out there. They, they called it like heart versus height on all the graphics and stuff leading up to the game. Sure enough, he absolutely did just that. Seven foot four Zach Edie won the opening tip off against five foot seven Samford guard Dallas Graziani. And the image is hilarious. It looks like a dad dunking on his two-year-old is what this looks like at center court at Purdue. (laughs) I mean, Edie jumped for the ball. The Sanford kid didn't even get up in the air. His head is like at the thigh of Edie at tip-off of this game. It is a hilarious image. I need to find this picture, yeah, for sure. I mean, just so funny. So... Uh, anyway, uh, back to the text line as much as we can anyway. Bubba says, keep Arnett as D.C. I'm, I'm here to tell you that um, no. Uh, no chance. No no shot uh, at yeah, all. Just, just be honest, no chance. Zach Arnett, if Zach Arnett is let go as the head coach of Mississippi State, he will not be in Starkville unless another team he coaches for plays there. We get this message, and actually, you know, this is a good point. Uh, He called himself a sunshine pumper, but there's a lot of truth here. He said, winner in an odd way, Zach Selman. He'll get a chance to build the football department entirely in his own image into the powerhouse that he wants it to be so he can get a big-time job four years after state football has returned to glory. And there are people that have said that he's got his eyes right back at Norman when that retirement happens, but who? I mean, who knows? I mean, Zach Selman hasn't said that to me, but 
there is this is a huge moment for him in his professional career. How he handles the next few weeks, uh, I mean, will dictate his few. In a way, it sounds hyperbolic, but football is the thing, man. This will dictate his tenure at Mississippi State. How he navigates the next few weeks and and a possible coaching search will be possibly his legacy as an AD. Well, I think that that's also a huge part of why he can make this change, right? If he had hired Arnett, then you you, you probably give give him more time. You're like, you know, I hired this guy. I'm going to give him some time to figure things out. It's because he didn't hire him. It can be like, like, I didn't hire this guy. And that is what he is doing. That's not my vision for what this football program is going to be. So we're going to make a change. You know, the contract is obviously a big part of that. But the, the, uh, Selman's lack of connection to the Arnett hiring is a positive for Mississippi State in this instance if you're a person who thinks that a change should be made. And it's also a positive in that because, I mean, regardless of how you feel about the, the decision, if you think State's crazy or absolutely justified or somewhere in the middle, Candidates are going to have questions. It would be their fifth head coach in eight calendar years. Uh, you know, and, and Mike Leach would still be the coach this year had tragedy not struck. But Moorhead yeah, was fired I, after that, two, that, that, and Arnett was fired yeah. after one. And guys are going to have questions. Selman can say, I didn't make that decision. I didn't do any. Yeah, you, when you say five and eight years, but, you know, one left. State right. wanted to keep Mullen. They would have loved to have kept him. They made him a fair offer. He just was ready to move on. And then Mike Leach died. There's nothing you could do. Right. So yeah, Moorhead, and then I mean, if you really want to get deep down into it, I mean, Moorhead got fired after his starting linebacker punched out his starting quarterback, and no, there were no real repercussions. There were no repercussions to it. So what do you want? What do you want the guy to do? You, know, you, you got to move on at that point. Mm. So yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, there, and that is a a benefit for for Zach Selman in this. We've gotten asked a few times this week or excuse me, a few times today, just if you were Zach Selman, what would you do? And a lot of it is who would you hire, but we're not at that point yet. But what I would do if I were him to answer that question uh, is probably something he's already been doing, and it's being prepared, getting prepared, talking to people, gauging things. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know there's games left, and I mean, you know, if, if you beat A&M and beat Ole Miss, and, and, it, and obviously Southern Miss mixed in there as well, and you, you end the season on three straight wins, you, you probably can't make a change at that point, but you need to be prepared for the more realistic scenario. And that's probably what he's doing as we speak. Maybe he's home now. Uh, that's probably what he spent his day doing. And that's what he'll wake up and spend his day doing tomorrow. I imagine... There's been some conversations with Jimmy Sexton, a lot of conversations with Jimmy Sexton because he controls the entire sport. And that's what he's – I imagine that's what he's doing this week. That's all he can do. Pretty much. So a lot of that, a lot more of that this week because we can't ignore it. I mean, that's what you fans are talking about. That's what we have to talk about as well. We'll get the lines tomorrow. We'll get you ready for Ole Miss and Georgia and talk a lot about the – future of the Mississippi State program. Basketball tonight as well. A whole lot more with you coming up tomorrow on Sports Talk Mississippi. Y'all have a great rest of your night. We'll see you tomorrow at 3.
Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services A Super Talk Mississippi media production.